Welcome to KGXT, Gen X Talks podcast live from Central California. Um, kind of an impromptu Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, Iceman showed up. Uh, he comes by once in a while, just like a member of the family. Got a lot of information from Iceman. A lot of you met him at the at the Gen X Talks barbecue. Um, got to know who he was. He, he's famous on Gen X Talks for the immortal words. The Iceman, the prophet from the from the town of Bodfish, who says the words "chicks, man, chicks." That's him. That's I stole that from him. Claimed it as my own. Then then I did get I did I did pay him the respect of letting everybody know that was his. In fact, now every time we say the line all across the world, everybody remembers the immortal words of of Iceman from Bodfish. Who leaned at me across the bar one night and said, chicks, man, chicks. Anyway, he's in studio. Ice, thanks for thanks for taking some time and helping out. Absolutely, my pleasure. When when did we do that? When did we come up with that? You you came up with it, but when was that chicks, man thing? That's been, we've been doing that for years now. Years and years. Um, I was trying to remember where it originated, like in, in my lexicon, in my, in my, uh, you know, yeah. the things, my, my the list of catchphrases, my normal things to resort to. I just to, tell everybody you made it up. <laughs> well, I'm sure there was, there was an inspiration, uh, from it for some, but I just can't pinpoint it. I feel like, but where do you, where did you use it first in front of me? I think I know. I think I remember the moment you said it. If I had to guess you were either complaining about your wife or daughters <laughs> and just I had no input to, to provide. Oh, sure, it couldn't have been you complaining about the women in your life. No, I think I was in a, dry, a long dry spell. Um, <laughs> but you could be right. I think, or or it was one of those gals that you tried to set me up with. That um, yeah, those didn't work out. None of them. Um, but I think it was at the barbecue out back. I think I was on the other side. I think you were sitting there. I think some 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 conversation just happened. Some incident had just happened in my mind. I remember people walking away. And then you and I looked at each other, and you went, "Chicks, man, chicks, man, yeah. chicks." And it just at that moment, yep. it was oh, I I plagiarized that from that day on. I completely <laughs> stole that from you. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um, there are when I when I used to drink heavily on the show. I don't drink as heavily as I used to. Um, I would tell stories on you know, and all of them were true because it's true. It's a story, right. and um, I had three gold stories. Mm-hmm. And I went. I we're on three years now, and there's still one I haven't told. I've told. I've told one story twice. Okay. I've told one story once, okay. and one story I have not told at all. All right. Um, you know the gold stories. You and I have been drinking around fire pits for you right. know 15 years now. But right. um, one of the stories that I have not gotten into heavily is about the Los Padres mine. In fact, I very rarely even skim over anything to do with the Los Padres really? mine at all. I, I thought that was one of the two that you do discuss. No, I oh, discussed okay. the 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 World War II gold. Oh uh, yeah, at Ed's camp in Arizona. Then I discover uh, that I talk about the 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 double eagle dollar jars, mason jars. Yeah, up in, um, in Kernville, Kernville area. Yeah, that's yeah. it. But yeah. the Los Padres mine, the biggest story. I haven't. I've just barely skimmed over it at all. Anyway, 
One of the things about the Los Padres mine, which is, the, in, in my opinion, is the still the the greatest, maybe the last best kept secret in California. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like finding the Titanic, but yeah. in California, if you t- undiscovered something, that's the one. Yeah, and. Everyone does research. Everyone's got their ideas on where this mine is. People say they've been there. People say they haven't been there. Yeah. Um, people have been to where I say it is, but can't figure it out. Can't find it. Fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. That's good for me. I like that. But one of the things was that that is always a sideline to everybody's story, and and not just looking for the Los Padres mine. There's there are big mines known in New Mexico and Arizona. Sure. And they all revolve around. A secret society of symbols. Yep. Those Jesuit symbols. Yep. You need to explain to me and the audience how that comes into play. Where did it come from? Because no one has been able to figure out these things. In fact, everyone says they everyone tells me you can't even prove they exist because there's no record of it. You can't prove that these Jesuit symbols that lead to treasures are even real. Now, my dad thought they were real. Right. You think they're real. I do. And tell us where where did what are these symbols and where did they come from? Well, I couldn't describe the shape or the appearance of any of them for you. Okay. But, um, uh, the special thing about the Southwest, you had you know the, the exploration age, um, a lot of Portuguese, a lot of Spanish, obviously, um, uh, Italians and whatnot. They were coming through looking for colonial expansion, looking for resources to uh, contribute to their their um, their home nations or whatever nation was sponsoring the um, the expedition. Sure. So, like everybody knows, you know, Columbus came over uh, under the auspices of the Crown of Spain, even though he was Genoese right. uh, from from Italy. Um, so you would you would if you had the uh, a new idea, a piece of fascination, whatever, something you wanted to go out and prove during that era of time, uh, you had to find a patron to to supply you with the ships, the funds, the men, sure. the men, yeah, you know, sponsor, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and then any as you would sail away from you know your home port that your dis- your your point of origin, you had to uh, secure a. Um, uh, chain of supply the entire way through your uh, through your uh, whole expedition. expedition. Yeah. So if you had, if you were gonna depart from uh, Portugal, you had to hit the Azores, which are you know, islands out in the middle under Portuguese control. You had yeah. to hit those Azores, top off your water, top off your sea biscuits, top off you know yeah. all your stuff. <clears throat> And then you'd also run into other ships that were, you know, coming back toward the east, you know, originating from the New World, and you could crosstalk and and find out, hey, what kind of thing did you experience out there? Yeah, what do we you watch know, out for? Any squalls? Any 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 you know sea monsters? I mean, yeah. anything? You know, uh, you know, let, let us know so you can sit there and talk shop. Sure. I mean, it's just like you know a truck stop. You know, find out you know from another driver, you know what what they might have seen thirty miles ago, and hey, if you're heading that way, they're doing a, a DUI checkpoint. You right. Know, that kind of thing so in all that there uh, you didn't just set sail and and go you had to be prepared and so when you went like when columbus went out under the auspices of of um, ferdinand and isabel they they basically had a permission slip that would say that anything they ever need Charge it to the crown. You know, here's you know, here's the royal seal. Um, you know, yeah. you're going to be provided for. You really know, a credit card. A credit card. A, okay. Exactly, a credit card. So, the thing with the Jesuits is they had their own clout. They had their own, uh, ultimately, bank, a money source, a a a, um, a a wielding of power and influence. So, 
if you, I mean, likewise, you're going. But did, did the Jesuits sponsor a specific ship? Undoubtedly, undoubtedly, but at the, the their importance was that if you had writ permission of the Jesuits, that you had a guardianship under them. They were they were basically a, a mob um, with being able to provide okay, now provide thought, cover now, for you. All right, so I thought that the Jesuits were somehow like more of a secret society under the Pope. Am I wrong on that? So uh, Ignatius Loyola is the fellow that founded the um, the Jesuits, right? And he was uh, a Spaniard, I think. Um, I'd have to go back to my primary you know, Catholic grade school to try to remember that too fiercely. Um, but he was a, a, a soldier, and he had a, a terrible maiming during battle on one of his legs, and so the guy the guy was red, rendered lame right. uh, post his post career in the military, and um, got a divine holy kind of inspiration to uh, to found a new religious order. And the main thrust, the main um, uh, mission of this newfound order was to perform, execute, do the will of the Pope. So if the oh. if the Pope was uh, trying to be the mediator in a conflict between two European nations kind of thing, Spain and Hungary are not getting along right now. All right. Both Catholic nations. So the Pope would try to run some diplomacy utilizing these Jesuits to go in oh. and kind of smooth things over and, and, and quell the, uh, quell now, the upset. Now, did the Jesuits come in with Bibles and candles or did they come in with swords? At both. Both they were really they, they were, and they may not have they may not have been actually ordained priests, but you had so you think the Knights Templar and I don't want to get into them. You know, no, no, another but topic. I'm simply going to make the, make an association between the two thoughts, sure, the two uh, endeavors was with the with the Knights Templar. I mean the original ones, good old Godfrey and Bouchon. Um, uh, the idea was that they were protecting pilgrims, uh, pilgrim, pilgrims as they went to pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Right, I got So you. they weren't being raided by the Moors and all that kind of stuff because the Silk Road went right through, uh, you know, the Holy Land. Right. And, I mean, it was a lot of money and there were a lot of bandits and there were a lot of people that were trying to keep uh, the European presence down because the Europeans had been there for so long. So it was like, all right, we're reclaiming this land for, you know, for Turks and for... Um, Palestinians and you know people of uh, of Semitic nature rather than Caucasians. Sure, and I got so, you. So they wanted to protect the you know that that homeland. That this is the Knights Templar I'm speaking of. So the Knights Templar, you would have individuals that were actually ordained men of the cloth that were in battle you know, battle dress. You know that they were armed. Huh. That they were they were fighting fighters. Okay. And then you also had sons of nobility, that kind of thing. There was a big clash. You know, let's say you had some duke, you know, from from whatever, um, from Lyon, a big province in France, okay? Um, in order to have your social, um, your reputation, your street cred, you yeah. know, <laughs> you, had to, you had to go out there and say, you know, yeah, I've got this family wealth, you know, yeah, I've got, I've got, the, I've got all the money, I've got all the, the political influence and stuff, but I've never done anything to serve the church. 
and so I need some cred there. I've never, I've never drawn blood. I've never been in a fight. And so you'd have to go, you'd have to go and in, in petition to do something to get that street cred. That you would join the Knights Templar, or would somebody come and petition you to join up? Or no, you, have, you wanted to go do it. Ah, you wanted okay. to go, may, perhaps not because you had a holy, a holy inspiration. You wanted to do it for your social status, like you said, the street credibility, the street credibility. So. And there was, it was incumbent upon an individual to, you know, were their father or grandfather, whomsoever, you know, pass away, whatnot, and you're going to in- inherit the reins of whatever power, you know, to wield. Sure, yeah. Uh, you had to let your populace, let, let your, you know, let your plebs and, and pillions know that you were someone that deserves to be in charge of them. Because you were collecting taxes, you were, yeah, you were, you were, you were negotiating trade um, um, contracts and stuff, moving, and if you had, if a certain farmer had something to sell, you know, outside the province, they had to, you know, make friends with someone. So that was to, that was the Knights Templar. Did the Jesuits operate in the Jesuits same fashion? Operate in the same fashion, okay. except, except they did it more on a global scale, and it wasn't so much helping this farmer sell his barley. It okay. was helping this military secure barley, as they were going to be marching across this border to invade them, you know, elsewhere. Okay, kind so of, I get the I get the premise, the basis on on where they came from now. Yeah, kind of what their role was. Yeah. So now, now bring this. Start bringing this into coming over to the new world. Yeah, and let's let's move towards what they were doing over here. So after I would say probably after the first century of the Jesuits existing. So and I'm gonna try to pull a number out of my ass with this. Maybe mid 1500s. Okay. Um, uh, they had amassed more power and influence than Ignatius of Loyola no. intended. Igna- Seriously. Yeah. I know. It's absurd, right? So one guy <laughs> one guy has a one, one guy, guy one guy has a great initiative that we're gonna serve the Pope and key and preserve the Holy Catholic Church and blah blah blah, yada yada. Um, but we'll say that got profaned. <laughs> is that, <laughs> is once, that the way you want to describe that? That's the way I'm going to describe it. Once, once the uh, rucksacks that they initially collected donations in order to supply pieces, you know, and whatever, uh, right. whatever endeavor, they, then they moved on to, to velvet bags, you know, and, and, then, <laughs> and then it became gold, gold, uh, you know, it's kind of like in church chest. when they start, when a yeah. church first starts out, you pass the hat, yeah. you take off a hat yeah. and pass it down the pews. Yeah. And at some point they really you get a velvet pillow with a gold chalice yeah. on it. Yeah. They really <laughs> started to, to succeed and probably not always on the up and up, probably very underhanded at times. Okay. And, um, so in the same, and I'm not, I'm old school, um, for, for my age bracket, I don't fit in at all. So I, you know, I can't come up with anything techie or, um, you know, Gen Z or whatnot, you know, um, slang to utilize, to equate it with, uh, the Jesuits. But when you talk about the Jesuit symbols and stuff, they had to be able to communicate in an encrypted fashion to where it wasn't going to be obviously tellable what they wanted to communicate, whether it be a piece of paper script sure, or, you know, a, a carving into a stone at a landmark. Um, they had to develop a, a method of communication that, that nobody else knew what they were only doing. going to be intelligible with wow. a fellow Jesuit. And yeah, the, the, you would have genuine good Jesuit, you know, priests, whatever, that would follow these militaries or these uh, uh, exploration uh, expeditions 
because they were like a chaplain. They were a chaplain for the okay. for, for the soldiers. And um, so you didn't have you you per se you wouldn't necessarily have a big galleon full of Jesuits. No. You may have no, uh, a have, person who's sponsored. He goes, hey, I got sponsored by Spain. Yeah. I got three ships. We're going over to the New World. We're going to find some resources. Right. And the Jesuits would say, well, we're going to put what three people on each ship, two people on each ship, Some, just to something. Yeah. Okay. Where they were, they acted as ambassadors between the Vatican, say, you know, or Avignon, whatever right. period it was. Um, and, and probably priests too. They were the local, like if you confession and people dying, right. they would administer last rites they would or do something. Last rites, that kind of thing. They had a capacity too. And then once they got somewhere, they, the the goal was to convert the natives. Ah, kind yeah. of thing. Okay. So they to spread the spread the faith, that kind of thing. Um, and then but I got to tell you, okay, so let, let, let's pause right there. Now yeah. you've, I got what you're saying about how they got there, what their role was, working for the Pope, doing the stuff. Yep. Sometimes you know with swords, sometimes with Bibles and candles. I got you. Yep. And you said it's kind of like the mob, a little bit underhanded, probably some shady stuff. In a hundred years, they're super powerful. Yep. They're super discreet. Yep. You know, you don't you don't really know what they, they got an order of them. Then they start putting people on these boats to go at religious capacities. But I got to say, it kind of sounds like also when they got to the New World, yes, they were going to convert the natives. Yes, they were there as the priests. But I got to think a little bit, it was like looking around going, what can we do with this? Absolutely. How, how can we do, how can this benefit the Jesuit order? Absolutely. So there was a big departure. There's a deviation from their initial uh, purpose, you know, to be at the service of the Pope. Yeah. Um, to where they became their own monster, you know, their own thing. Um, in even today, and in any order um, within the the Catholic Church, there's um, there's a guy in charge, and um, um, the one of the Jesuits has for long been called the Black Pope. Uh, so the the white pope is the pope of the Catholic Church. Right. The black pope is the is the general in charge of the Jesuits. Really, so I never that, heard that, that term before. That's his nickname is the black pope. Wow. So all right, I'm with you. And it you know, in these in this modern era, I mean, he's as influential and powerful as anybody prior uh, could have been in that role. Um, and it was that was what was weird, you know, really weird uh, with the current pope Francis when he went in. Because there had never been a Jesuit pope before, because they are their thrust was to be at the service of the pope, not to wield the power. Okay, wait, 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 wait. What pope? Current one, Francis, is a Jesuit. Is a Jesuit. No, and he's also Italian, but he's from Argentina. Uh, you know, born and raised in Argentina, kind of thing. But he's of Italian descent because there are so many uh, French, Germans, in, and sure. Italians, uh, Portuguese in Argentina. Because the place is a well. It's called Argentina. Argent is is um, is the old old world language for silver. It's it's silver. Well, and silver that's also where Hitler know? ended up with that's, all of his buddies. That's where the a lot of Nazis ended. Yeah, up. a lot lots, of Nazis. Lots of Nazis. Like German was like uh, almost a, the primary language. They yeah. In a huge part of Argentina, it was well, like they, how did that happen? Well, because they all went here. There's little German villages all over with with you know. Um, Old world style um, uh, architecture, right? For these little German. That's huts. another discussion, but I I did, I did a little homework on that. Yeah, and even if even if you want to say Hitler didn't go down there, ten thousand. Germans, yeah. high-ranking Germans yeah. and their families and yes. their cousins did go there. They I mean, it's like, it's there. not even, did the FBI go. had files and files and files on, on Argentina trying to find, uh, you know, Germans yeah. to put on trial down yeah. there for, for years, decades. Yeah. It was a real thing. I saw, I don't want to, well, not to, 
steer off course too much, but it's something really fascinating about the Nazis, man, um, or a piece of Nazi history. Yeah. Um, is uh, they had, I've heard the number as much as 52, 52 political parties were on the ballot when the Nazis took power. 33-ish percent, a third of of the citizenry, when they voted, you know, for, for a new uh, political um, uh, uh, parliament. Or, um, right, when they made Chancellor Hitler the whatever. chancellor, right. Well, he was selected by the parliament. They didn't, you didn't see your ballot and vote for Hitler. You saw the ballot and voted for, for the, the National Socialists. Yeah, right. So only a third of the nation voted for the National Socialists. And then there's this little fragment, this little fragment, tons and tons, you know, that only got like 300 votes kind of thing. Right. But then, you know, second place, you know, got 14% or whatever. Third place got whatever, you know, percentage. So one in three Germans voted for them. And that is, that is a tyranny of the minority because only a third of the people completely wanted this devastated history yeah <laughs> with 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 world war ii and and you would look at your your run-of-the-mill uh soldier you know that was out there on the fighting lines kind of thing yeah he didn't necessarily vote for the for the nazis no. he might have voted for one of the other 51 you know political parties right and the ones that were nazi members because you joined the nazi party and then right. you voted for them kind of thing so that those were the officers those were the ss those were the were working for the propaganda machine working under goring working under uh, himmler you know um that's that's when you when you were a voting nazi that you know you voted this was your initiative right because they drafted men you know and so they drafted these poor dudes out there on the on the, fighting on the lines for a party that they had no want to be there didn't want to be a part they had of no it. choice to be but all to right be there. so let's go back so yeah. we know that uh, Hitler got to Argentina and we'll talk about that yeah, later yeah and uh, we but the Pope was from Argentina the current Pope C- current Pope is a Jesuit is a Jesuit so all this stuff you're, you're we're learning right now yeah. he's he's a descendant of of in being in that mix. Well, Somehow he he I would say he enjoys the pleasure of of being amongst the Jesuit order. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. So let me go. Let me take you back. So now sure. you got you got sponsored. You got countries and states and and monarchies sponsoring different ships to go to the new world. Everyone yeah. trying to find resources. Everyone trying to get territory. Yeah. The Jesuits insert themselves in different boats in different capacities. Yeah. Always you know fulfilling their role, but having an eye on what's in it for us. Uh huh. So what do they do when they get there? Because they can't, you can't just say, well, Spain just shows up and says, you know, we want to claim this territory for Spain. The Jesuits can't go, yeah, well, we want half of it for us. You, you can't do it that way. So the Southwest. Well, I, I have a question. Yeah. So the Jesuits weren't sponsored by any, they were like their own kind of, they sponsored their own expeditions to the New World. No, no, no. They, they tagged they, along. They accompanied. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they, they just kind of like hitchhiked yeah. their way over there. They were they were there, in in polite terms, they were there as ambassadors, kind of. Thing. Okay. So oh. they're they're there to guide the flocks of the men, you know, uh, mm-hmm. on the on the ships, you know, everyone from down to someone that repairs the sails and you know throws anchors and crap. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but uh, that's the best way to go because then you're getting sponsored too. You go in the Jesuits didn't have mm-hmm. to use their own money. They were definitely they getting. Could, they it, could have sponsors Spain. They could go to Spain and say, "Look, you're sending these three galleons over. Yeah, you're going to mm-hmm. need some religious people on here. You're going to need some priests. We'll go." And they're right. like, "Yeah, we'll pay you to be part of it." They're not. They'd have to use their own money. And they would expect yeah. every ship, you know, every every uh, expedition, whatnot, insured to the hilt. They, they, they every every boat. 
it was a suicide mission. They knew that they were, they kissed their families goodbye to death kind of thing. It was like, you're never going to see us again. Because there was never a promise. Once you crossed, once you went west of the Azores, away from the mainland Europe, yeah. and when you re-spied in the Azores, and you took off, whether you went to the Caribbean, whether you went up to Newfoundland and, right. and Greenland, um, or hit any of the American colonial coast, you know, the, later on, American colonial coast, um, uh, there was no promise you're going to come back. No. So... I mean, it was it was a, it was a funeral barge, every, everyone that departed. So, the the insurance that they had on these boats had to be handled somehow. Who's what? What bank is moving? Who's? It wasn't the Vatican Bank. No, no, no. no it was the Jesuit Bank. It was. It was the. You had to. You had when you had that permission slip from the Crown. You also had the permission slip from uh, the Jesuits that, that ran credit for you to, that you can comp- continue to resupply and all this. Right. Because you, you didn't want, if, you were, if your goal was to come in and find resources and convert the public, you know, convert the natives of whatever land you're hitting, um, you didn't want to go in there and raid their supplies in no. order to feed your army. Sure. So it was, you had to be able to trade things. You had to be able to uh, let the let the locals know that there was a reason that our presence would be beneficial to them. Yeah, you had so to be a little bit self-sustaining. It, you it, couldn't just... It became a protection racket because every little homeland, every little thing is going to have, you know, you say that the, the Yavapai versus the Hopi Indians and whatnot might not have always gotten along. Right. But if we could have... Um, Jesuits that were getting good and good with the with the Hopi Indians, and it's like, all right, we can help with our military soldiers that are you know on our expedition. Right, we can help you take care of your enemies across the river, you know, kind of thing. Well, plus, you know, if so, you're looking at it from a mafia standpoint or yeah. even a, a, a motorcycle club standpoint, yeah. you go in there and say the Jesuit can come in and say, all right, we're tight with the Hopis. Then you go over to the other tribe and go, look, why don't you pay us and we'll make sure they don't fuck with you. I'm most, now you're getting money from both sides. I'm most certain that happened yeah wow yeah very certain wow 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 so the big expedition was Hernan Cortez um he came across the southwest ended up going down to Mexico meeting up with Montezuma and you know and there you know destroyed the Aztec Empire um so Hernan Cortez gets a lot of negative press there was uh Neil Young put out a a a song called Cortez the Killer and it might (laughs) it may even still be banned in Spain to this day but back back in the 70s when that song came out uh on that you know on whichever album it was um that album was forbidden for sale in Spain you know Neil Young at that time was an international star yeah he was a big deal so to have him bitching about politics which he still does and he always has done yeah but, but that's uh, old politics that's but, not even no but it's still it's still you know hernan cortez i mean you could equate him to um uh to to, to um paul revere kind of thing to where it's just a mainstay of um of history in in spanish heritage so so when so okay i totally get now how the jesuit order came to be what they're doing and how they're moving through they're moving through society and culture yeah always one step behind one step back letting the people push out it wasn't their boats it wasn't their Mm -hmm. galleons Mm -hmm. it wasn't their army Mm -hmm. but boy they sure had they sure had some influence over where you went and what you said and what you did they could influence 
quite a bit. These people were nobility elite. They wined and dined with each other. They went out and went out to dinner, had their great big halls and dances and whatnot. They went to the wow. s- went to the same orgies and bacchanalias, you know. As everyone, last one of them, and any vice you can imagine, they were doing it. You know, as I they, they well they, all under the these, all under the name of the Catholic Church, all under the holy blessings of our, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's um, you know. These were people just like us, you know? People cheated on their wives, people broke, broke their vows, people did whatever, people wanted to line their pockets. You know, they're they're just as crappy as we could be in our modern day. In right. fact, they probably got away with worse. Uh, well, who's going to challenge them? There was no one there to prosecute them. Yeah, who's going to go, you, what do you, yeah. how do you, and all you no. Had, all you had to do was bribe or threaten to blackmail, and you'd be out of your accusation. All right, so now they're over here. Now, this is, even if we're in the late 1500s or so, yeah. even if you get to the 1600s, now you're starting to get into where the the other, the, the countries over in Europe are now paying attention to how much gold Big time. is Big over time. here. Yeah. They're really starting to go, um, yeah. Let's bring armies and soldiers and and get the people to sla- enslave the people to dig and let's go. Right. Because that became one that before you even get to the Los Padres mine. This yeah. is the build up to it. You they started noticing gold and silver right. and other other things, but mainly gold. Yeah. And they had no trouble enslaving local people at all. At like all. even a little bit. They just they they go right after you. So. Did the Jesuits just organize that like like right. puppet masters? What happened there? Okay, here's the here's the, the bit of comedy about the Catholic Church um, and and this topic um, is that there's a notion, there's a concept um, that sounds pretty pious and holy, you know, is that to work is to pray, and so if you're out there laboring by the you know toiling by the sweat of your brow, the kind of thing that you're offering service to God with your activity. Okay. So, boy, that would encourage you to work because you feel like you're communicating yeah. with God while you're working. So you're so you you come across to heathen peoples like like the Aztecs were. I mean, they, yeah, they had their gods and all, but they didn't have the right gods. They didn't have the right gods. Yeah, um, and they're doing human sacrifice, lopping off guts and brains and running them down you know, as it descends down the stairs. Yeah, I saw Apocalypto. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, you walk in as a as a coiffed. Uh, European, you know, with your, with your all your your regalia and your your big chain of office and medallion and whatnot. You got your you got your big crucifix, right? Whatnot, yeah, going to introduce yourself to these peoples, you know, and that's how they find their fun is by lopping human beings apart, you know, and and these individuals, you know, that the, these these the, the sacrifice victims, you know, they were all from raided raiding parties that went into the little tribes that were outside the the uh, protection of the Aztec Empire, right, and so. I mean, they were all kidnapped and and enslaved themselves, kind of thing. They weren't um, like Aztec citizens, we'll say, kind of like Roman citizens, you know. Right, I got you. Um, they were you were interspersed amongst the population, and you had the blessings of the uh, you, you enjoyed the fruits of the Aztec Empire, or you were a nobody that was expendable. Right. So, walking in as a foreigner, as a European, you know, walking into that scenario, seeing all this ruthless bloodshed it's like these people obviously need some moral correction kind of thing obviously so, obviously so <laughs> thank I'm, god we're here nobody would stand for this <laughs> unless you were raised in centuries of it you know kind of thing yeah and um and so there was a a morality a, a moral thrust with uh, uh cortez okay but were they thinking that was are they just being assholes, or do they really have? They felt they had a moral obligation to they do this. They were aghast at the brutality. I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, just. I mean, 
I get what you're saying. Heart, I'm just, heartrending, heartrending okay. violence. So they felt it. It wasn't just. Yeah, no. They weren't just opportunists. No. They were like, right. this needs to get fixed. Right. Okay. But what they also saw was piles and piles of gold and jade and emerald. <laughs> <laughs> so they get those Bugs Bunny dollar signs in their eyes, you know. And it was like, well, look what we can do for God. We get to save all these souls. We're gonna from save their, all these souls from the. Fiery pits of hell. And by the way, you really don't need all this over here. Yeah. You do not, and, you're not using this correctly. And, and dadgummit, we could take all this, this wealth. This greed is really, yeah. it's what's causing all this. Well, you know, well, we, we need to take yeah, it away. Take all this wealth. And Maybe if we could get rid of all the wealth, you guys would act normal. Well, exactly. Maybe you <laughs> civilize your butts, you know? And, and then we use the wealth to further our cause of spreading holiness throughout the globe. <laughs> you know? well, boy, they just hit the trifecta. They I'm telling you. It all, you know, I think it all came clear within 30 seconds. Like, okay. Okay, we're going to take this golden wealth. We're going to stop these guys making behave, and we're going to use that to do it again in the next town. Just like any group effort, human endeavor, it had to be mutually beneficial for anybody that was involved with the concept. Well, you so, could never come in there and tell the Aztecs, we're taking your gold and you're going to stop all of your religious beliefs. Yeah, mar- and you better learn how to like it. Yeah, uh, or march into the sea and we're going to chase you, you know, kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, that wouldn't work, you know. So it's, they had to be methodical about it, and that was their method. Um, and it happened peoples after peoples, tribe after tribe. It was a very successful model. Um and yeah, they enrich the hell out of the church. They enrich the hell out of the Jesuits further. They enrich the hell out of the out of the crowns and and principalities, uh, all over Europe. Um, yeah, it was very well. Where this comes into play, and we touched. I know we opened the conversation with this, so let me let's just try to jump back down. We have to skip a lot of history to get there, and I'm, you can fill in the gaps as you want. Yeah. But the idea was was that with the Jesuit order, what limited information I've been able to study up on. The Jesuit order had secret symbols and uh, maybe even, I don't know if there was an alphabet, if there was if there was text, but definitely there is a large number of people that believe that there were uh, secret symbols that only the Jesuits knew about to be able, like you said, to be able to communicate without anyone knowing, encrypted. And there were some rules that went along with these. I remember one guy talking to me one time about the Jesuits, and he says, well, for instance, if the Jesuits were going to leave um, a symbol um, on a road, let's say you were, to, let's say you had a treasure map for a lack of a better word. And the Jesuits are saying, well, if you want to know how to get here, yeah. you know, get on this road and start head south and start looking for Jesuit symbols. One rule was it couldn't be carved in a tree because a tree could burn. A tree could burn, fall down. It, the rule was, somebody said the rule was a Jesuit symbol had to be, when you looked at what you were doing to to to, to present the symbol, it ha- you had to think it'll last three hundred years. That was the rule. I, I don't know if three hundred was the value of years, well, but it, yes. It, but an but idea yeah. is like it, it, can it last three hundred yeah, years? Then you yeah, like you wouldn't carve it into sandstone no. just because of wear and tear. Simple erosion, yeah. So it had to be some you know hard rock kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. And when you begin to piece together what people think they know, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, so it can only be in something permanent. Yeah. It can't be. You wouldn't put it in a riverbed where it could wash away. Yeah. You begin to put all these things together, it becomes even more impossible to see, to find these things mm-hmm. because you and I, Tony, you and I have walked around the hills together. Yeah. We could say, we could walk up there and go, well, there's sandstone and there's a tree and there's a big boulder, but you, we don't, you, you, you couldn't even use a big boulder on the side of a hill because it could wash down the hill. Right. Yeah. So where do you actually, you know, to look for these things, you come into the Southwest, like we've been talking about Arizona, New yeah. Mexico and California and Mexico. Yeah. 
Where on earth, if you had to put a symbol, even as a direction to do something, how on earth could you, there's just not that much permanent, there's not enough permanent stuff out there. I mean, you could say, yes, there's a big rock mountain way over there that will be there for a thousand years. Great. But I need to draw a symbol over here where, where we're going. I can't, I can't use that mountain. It doesn't mean anything. Right. How do you, how do, how would you even begin not only to decipher stuff now, Yeah. but how would you, how would the Jesuits even begin to put things together like that? So I would begin to be tempted that it's not like you had a uh, a big scroll for a reference, a, you know, a legend like a legend on a map. Right. It's not like you had some sort of legend that um, would sit there and you would train and practice on how to create these these images and these um, um, say it were to be a carving, right? Um, or or a technique or method of how to superheat rock so it was splittable and split it in a certain fashion to where it fell away in one large piece and then three wedge shapes that f- fell away from you know something like that. So sure, it's not like there was. Um, I, I I wouldn't assume that there was some sort of ledger that you could refer to. You know, um, but I would as, say there's one of those locked up somewhere. Uh, in in like some vault in some Spain, back in the archives, yeah. of, of the secret Vatican <laughs> archives and all that. Perhaps I don't know. I, is it? Don't get too History Channel. You know, okay. all, all that stuff is pretty sensationalized. All right, you know. Um, but what was happening is that expedition after expedition, you would have relief forces that would have to come in, kind of thing, because you knew that a third of them were going to die of cholera or dysentery, um, a scurvy kind of thing. Right, um, and. So reinforcements would have to come, kind of thing, and so any knowledge that was initially acquired by the by the the leading edge of the the uh, exploratory crew, right? They were going to impart that knowledge on the reinforcements, and those reinforcements they were going to have reinforcements two years later that would come in and and build up the well, the, this, the manpower this, again. This had to be so, an uh, ongoing. That went steady on, stream went on for decades and decades uh, yeah, of, into, of, into of, centuries of the so crown just going send more people. It we got was it. handed down knowledge. It was handed down. That's why I'm saying it's not like there's going to be a reference scroll. Of oh, actually, it's just imparting. Okay, it's it's going to be imparted knowledge gotcha. to where, yeah, we could we could upset. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Morro Bay because Morro Rock there in Morro Bay. Right. A gigantic piece of volcanic rock that you know is going to be that you there. You know is going to be. It's going to be a landmark forever. Forever. And you could, you know, it could be referred as like if you stand on one part of the shore, you're going to see that little rock that's out there in the nose. Yeah. That that's out there, and and there's a little bit of a strait that happens between that smaller rock and the gigantic more rock. Correct. Right? So you could. You could be informed. All right, st- the, where you want to be in the line of sight is where you just begin to obscure that straight to where you no longer see where the water goes in between the rocks. So the 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 moral rock is going to the eclipse. Angle yeah. touches it. Yeah. yeah, the moral rock is going to eclipse that little smaller rock. And so when you're at that location, walk inland, kind of thing. Wow. And so it'd be points. But of, then you'd never if if all of this information or a great deal of it. Yeah. Was imparted person to person. You, there's no way to ever decipher it's, because their well, encryption. Well, if there, if there's no way to ever decipher because it's not that they went and it's not that they went and had a method to develop a a, um, uh, a, a, a an encrypted language that you had to employ in order to figure out what you were supposed to do because they're no longer around to communicate with. And so now you have to kind of wing it and interpret things the way they interpret. It's not like all that. It's when they 
and it wasn't that they were splitting a rock and having three wedges fall away every minute of of, right. of, a, of a trip. So a lot of the um, landmark dead reckoning kind of um, kind of communication, it would you and I would walk right by it. We wouldn't be impressed by it, right? Because it's naturally occurring. It looks just like the rocks we saw back there, but. Were you to have knowledge that these certain rocks or these certain, you know, cliffside, a ledge, you know, whatever it might be, is involved with instruction on how to proceed forward, um, that's pretty advantageous. Because sure. I mean, it's, it's, because we, we'll use landmarks, you know, um, uh, even just driving down the street. That's true. We hang do a left use up, landmarks Hang a left at the Vons. And we don't write it down. No, you don't ledger. write it down. We just say, hey, when right. you get to the big tree or you get to the rock, you see that. Th- yeah, you're right. We do do that. Right. So is a, a lot of that, because, you know, they don't want to, they want to try to make it sound all mercurial and, and intricate and, you know, all history channel. All right. You know, but, mysteries of the blah, But blah, you have you know? to admit, they could have written it down. Certainly. And chose not to, to keep it very mysterious. They're like, no, we're not going to write this down. Just listen right. to what I'm fucking telling you. Yeah. And don't forget it. Yeah. I'm not right. And the, the, you know, you got to give yeah. a little bit of the credit to keeping it a mystery, to keeping the secret. Right. Based on that, I, I dig that. Yeah. Okay. So let me uh, uh, let me backtrack a minute. And you may have already heard the story. I'm quite certain you did because, like I said, you and I have talked about this off and on for years. But um, I would never say because we we would we'll all agree with you right now. There's no ledger. Yeah. There's no there's no there's no map with a ledger. There's no uh, icon like okay, this is what you here's your legend of all your symbols, and there's your map. Go find it. All right. There is a consensus. Yeah. Of certain symbols and ideas that over the years, like there's ten thousand symbols, and there's like nine. They're like, well, I don't care about those other nine thousand, but there's there's eight or nine that I think we can all agree are a Jesuit symbol, even though we don't know how to use them. Mm-hmm. One of them that I was fascinated with, and I'll tell you why. Um, there's double fascination for me. One was they said when the Jesuits began uh, to map out something they wanted to to be able to find again or take people to without telling anyone else that no one could read this this map. One of them was the symbol of a bird. Okay. And they said they would carve into rock or they would do something permanent or that was a symbol of a bird meant Mm -hmm. um, you're changing directions. The bird is now you along this course of road um, you, you can go, but when you get to a symbol of a bird, you're changing direction. Don't go the same way. If you've been going North for five miles, you're not anymore. Doesn't say which way, maybe the bird's facing one way, but it's kind of like the symbols that I've, I've, I've looked up just for simplistic sake, look like a hummingbird. So if there's hummingbird is floating in the air, Mm -hmm. um, you can see its beak and you can see its wings and you can see its tail. It's obviously pointing in a direction. So a lot of people have assumed Mm -hmm. if you could identify the bird symbol, and then you'd find something. Well, then they said if that's true because of all the the rumors and 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 lore, then they went back and I I guess the 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 main Jesuit order somewhere in Spain or Portugal or something. The, what they they could not get very deep into asking these questions. No one's going to take them down three flights flights of stairs under the Vatican and open a scroll yeah. and say we'll take a look. Yeah. But they said. The, they did determine that they're like, look, we went back in history enough where it's talked about mm-hmm. the bird is a symbol of change of direction, something we're doing. Okay. And so it was in the Southwest 
and these guys who are heavy into this looking, 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 and you know, you look so hard, you you find stuff that's not even there. You're you just like, oh, clearly this is a symbol. When it's not, you're just so desperate to find something. Yeah. You think that it is. Yeah. And a lot of people have come along and said, nah, you're full of shit. You just you wanted it really bad. You really didn't find a Jesuit symbol. This one area where these guys were looking because they were pretty sure there were some gold mines. Mm-hmm. And I think it was in Arizona. And all of a sudden, this one dude says, "I found the Jesuit symbol of the bird." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Where?" And it was a very, it was a very rocky terrain. And by rocky, I mean this is an area in in Arizona where, you know, you had uh, jettisons of hard red rock coming yeah. out of the ground. Yeah. And the the guy says, "We're standing right here." And he goes, "What are you talking about? Look, I've been here twenty times, thirty times. I did there's nothing here." And he looked, and coming through one rock, someone had carved out of the rock a hole in the rock. And when uh-huh. you look down on the ground, you can see the sunlight coming through. It's a hole. It's a shadow of the rock in a hole, but yeah. it was the shadow, it was the hole of a bird. They carved a bird. And at a certain time of day, when that sunlight hit through it, it was a perfect, perfect, perfect symbol yeah. of a bird. Shine, but you had to look at the shadow. See, that makes me... It's not that I say that I doubt it, but based on you know the the motion, the movement of the celestial bodies, the you know moon and the earth and, and um, uh, the sun shining, whatnot, you have to be there on the appropriate day of the appropriate year of the appro- at the appropriate time yeah. in order to have that well, thing verified. And that's what somebody the said. I know the sun's never in the same. It's position. always going to move a thousandth of a of degree. No, no. You know? Well, that that was the thing. The guy says the guy who found it goes, I have no idea what this means because did they carve this in the winter? Did right. they carve it in the summer? Right. He goes, I have no idea. No clue. All I know is, is that now, and he said, do I, if it was a change in direction, yeah. the bird is pointing that way by the sunlight on the ground, but up here it's pointing, you know, it's pointing a different way. What do I do? Yeah. And, and the only thing they ever came to conclusion of is they said, this is pretty, somebody carved this, there's no way a natural hole, none of these other ones have holes in these rocks. Yeah. Just this one. Yeah. So somebody carved it. All right. But it doesn't tell us anything. All it says is, are you near something important? Right. Or are you just simply still on your way? Yeah. You still could be 100 miles yeah. away. Am I at the X marks the spot or am I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Or is am I at a way station where it's like, I I'm, I know I'm halfway through my journey now because I'm here. So these things, um, there that one was one that stuck with me that... I would tend to believe if the Jesuits had their own symbols, yeah. if the bird was a symbol, that somebody fucking totally carved this, and it was in the area where they were, yeah. the Southwest, and it's but that's absolutely as far as anybody's ever gotten with it. Everything else is just assumption. Yeah. Another one was this guy found, um, he the Jesuits, uh, I'm not sure how big they were. I guess I should ask you, uh, how were they scholarly people? Did they know a lot about engineering and they kind of... Mathematics. So if you were involved with boats, you knew what you were doing as far as engineering went. Okay. You, it was just part of the job. Um, you know, it, their technology was really, really groundbreaking um, for, I mean, building the ships, how to laden them, how to load them, how, you know, how to balance yeah. them. Um, uh, I mean, really, really impressive you know, pieces of engineering. All those ropes alone, man, all those lines, all yeah. those sails. I mean, you wouldn't, believe the amount of engineering that goes into creating cannons. Cannons are amazing pieces of machinery. 
especially uh, back then. Yeah, you know, in order to survive blast after blast after blast, um, I mean, I, Canon technology was. Really so these guys, they, they were well versed in some of that, right? They weren't no suckers, man. They were no slouches. Okay. Um, you might have had some holy guy that was illiterate, you know, but but he had a real, uh, you know, a real goodness about him that was tellable. Yeah. I was like, yeah, throw that guy along for good luck. You know, I was like, we, we, need, a, we need somebody holy around here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so a bunch of scallywags, you know. But, um, um, but in general, if you were, you know, one of these, you know, traveling Jesuits going along accompanying uh, an expedition, uh, well, you knew what you were up to. And there's a reason why I asked, because yeah. uh, sunny point number two of the things that I became interested in and actually to be fair with you i became in interested in in reading some of this stuff mm -hmm. you told me about this seven eight nine years ago yeah Th this was you know that's where it began mm -hmm. so you know poking around the internet and reading stuff it, a lot of it's fake a lot of it's made up a lot of guys are oh look what i've got i figured it all out you know send me 30 dollars, and i'll give you the jesuit code i know it all <laughs> but every now and then i read something that is and I don't think it's intentionally vague. Yeah. I think the guy goes, this is really all I can offer. I don't, I don't have any more. One story, this was a guy, I think it was in New Mexico. There was just low rolling hills mm -hmm. and rock formations and stuff. And it was a very common place that the, the Spaniards had been digging, mining for silver and gold and doing stuff. And uh, clearly, as we've learned today, the Jesuits were part of that, you know, yeah. sticking their nose in, if not running it and directing it. Yeah. They were definitely like, well, let me know what you find. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll be right here. You go dig and let me know what you got. Mm -hmm. And this guy says he's gone up there for years and years and years looking for stuff and just couldn't find anything. And he noticed in one spot, he'd seen it before, there was two boulders that were almost identical and they were, you know, like 50 yards apart. Uh -huh. And he just thought it was odd that two boulders would fall down into this one area and, and come to rest. Mm-hmm almost standing upright in the same position yeah and almost you know, almost exactly to the to the inch so many feet apart and he just was he goes I was literally sitting in my truck one day just looking at him eating my lunch and going those two rocks are oddly placed yeah now that wouldn't tell you anything no. you know you but then he goes it was years later he was he goes I read somewhere about how the Jesuits would pinpoint a spot on a hill yeah. and they would triangulate a spot to look at right. if you if you had the two fixed points yep. and a third position to stand mm -hmm. on. Now, everyone, he goes, my first thing was stand in the middle. Right. You stand in the middle, triangulate two points, get my get my binoculars out, look on the hill, and I'm right in the middle, and it's pointed in there, and you can draw it out, and you're there. Yeah. You knew that somewhere on that hill on the center line, you were going to find what you're looking for. He goes, but they didn't do that. There was some verbiage, like you said, line up the two. They would pass it along, yeah, and they'd say, line up the two rocks in your visual cortex. When you get the luck, then turn and go due east or whatever. Mm -hmm. He goes, so the, the thing was to find out as much as I could about the area yeah. and try to come up with something, because without those, they're so far apart, you're just guessing anyway. So if you look at uh, some period maps... Um, of uh, of the globe, or even just of regions, uh, from the age of exploration, yeah, they had a vague idea of how the continents were shaped and how distant they were from one another. But there was always distortion. Right. So even the best cartographer, even the best surveyor, best navigator, I mean, there was going to be elements that they couldn't account for, and so it linked. It, their maps ended up looking like fourth grade drawings, you know, yeah. where it's like, yeah, this is what California looks like. It looks like it what looks flat like earthers a, draw today. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, if, if you had a four year old draw the state of California 
and then draw the nation of Japan, they'd probably be butterfly mirror images. You know, I was like, well, they're very, very similarly shaped. And yeah. You know, one's facing that way and facing the other right. way, that kind of thing. Towards, so if you were told, you know, they go to a landmass, this is what it generally looks like. We'll just call it Japan. Go, you know, it generally looks like this. You know, it's broken up into these little islands up here, and then the two major islands, and then you've got some other islands over here. And, um, uh, and good luck. You know? yeah, right. <laughs> so you need a bit more guidance than that. Yeah. Now you can't just draw them a map because your map is going to have distortion. Your map is going to have, um, you know, they call it, they call it projection. The way the images are represented on a two-dimensional piece of paper. Sure. So if I were to draw you a map, maps are only good up to a certain point of scale. Um, and then the distortion gets, you know, just vile. And right, that's what yeah. we have, the Mercator projection map, um, the map that's involved with the Voynich manuscript. You know, is, there's no way to represent a globe on a flat two-dimensional Very piece, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, and if that was your lifeline, if, if this big distorted map, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So they were heavily reliant upon landmark uh, identifiers because if you were just drawing a map, it'd be like, okay, it was, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna draw. It looks like hills over here, right? And then an oak tree. Well, is that why that on certain old maps that you like? And I know you talk about Morro Rock, but yeah. on certain maps of they'll have a map of California, then they'll have a big drawing of Morro Rock, which looks like it would take up, you know. Uh, a, a quite a, you know, like twenty miles across, so but like, they drew it big on the map to let you know, hey, look for this rock at this sure, point. It's gonna, it isn't really that big, right. but they drew it big enough where you could see it. So where it was going to be, this okay. is this was the an important piece of information. We're going to express that. Okay, they, they and they illuminate it with gold leaf or something, you know, color it in. Something, sure, something to give it importance. Um, Makes know, sense. Now I get that. Make it obvious that it's a piece yeah. of piece of information that needs to be paid attention to. Um, so. I feel like people want to act like it's Indiana Jones with these secret languages and hieroglyphs <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And that's all Hollywood bunk, you know, it's just... So you don't think this guy could have... He, he didn't he, say he found anything. He may have found a bird, you know, that, no, that actually What about was, the two rock thing? The that's, two rock things is more convincing. That's more believable than a bird that's going to be illuminated by a hole and, you know, by sunlight through a hole in the rock that you're only going to be able to witness eight hours out of a year, you know, yeah. if, if even that. Yeah, I mean, eight hours, that would be a span of... Well, that's a, okay. be a third of the sky. But so we'll say eight minutes. Now, hold of, on. Now, year. hold on. Ice, listen. Yeah. You can see the bird clearly for probably months at a time. Now, if you're telling me the bird had to cast the shadow and the beam of light of the bird, the silhouette, yeah. on a rock that you had to lift up and look on the bottom of the rock that it had to hit that rock. Okay, yeah. that's different. That's pretty dang... That's, uh, that's, that's Indiana Jones goofy stuff. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. but... Other than that, that's what I didn't like about the the movie National Treasure. Yeah, two I think it was when they had they went to the the steeple that had the cross and the shadow of the cross in Boston was hitting a brick wall and right where the cross shadow was on the wall, you took out that brick. Yeah. I'm like, okay, how do you know you're even there at the right time of day? Yeah, right time of year. Yeah. No fucking way was that possible. But yeah. this they're not talking about the bird shining down on a specific spot on the ground and you dig here. Uh -huh. It could be any on the ground as long as you saw it yeah. out of eight months out of the year it could be anywhere as long as you knew it was a bird and pointing that way all right i see if that was if yeah if that was what it was but the two rock guy yeah he he said he goes i'm trying to deduce what was a common 
theme that they wouldn't have to, let's say there was two rocks here, two rocks in Arkansas, two rocks in Argentina, two rocks in Peru. And well, it's like, well, okay, was it, what, did you st- did you stand 20 degrees on this one or 10 degrees on that one? Mm. Is it 30 feet away? Do you walk to the, they, he goes, they probably had some uniform thing. Yeah. It's like everybody remember that you you don't stand in the middle between these. If it's if it's fifty feet apart, let's say you don't stand at twenty five feet. Let's remember everybody. If we do the two rock thing, you start on the left rock yeah. and you come in ten feet. That's your angle. Well, well there's got to be something common. So, the uh, if they if they were on a boat and they got here on a boat, you know, and they were from Europe because I I don't know what kind of navigational tours any. F- Filipinos or Chinese that may have been here on the West Coast or in, right. or in South America uh, prior to whites showing up. Right. Um, if you were coming from the East, you know, and to hit the New World, you had astrolabs, you had sextants, you had all kinds of navigational tools. Right. Um, uh, for running your calculations, you wouldn't need um, landmarks necessarily in order to find your way somewhere as you charting off the sky charting off the stars charting off the okay the calculations but you'd for, have for to the tell someone calendar to use those tools yeah to navigate let's say the jesuits had a gold mine they only wanted jesuits to have access to yeah if you're going to use tools modern day tools you would have to tell someone if it was a major operation like the Los Padres mine. Yeah. Um, but you know what I'm saying? You have to was. tell someone some numbers to put into the tools yeah. to navigate. Yeah. But you don't want that. You don't want a common person to have the... T- a common person could use a sextant. That kind of thing could be encoded. That kind of thing could be... You, but I, but there, there would be no need to... Um, uh, to develop some sort of navigational, you know, knocking down a rock, doing this over here, drilling through something else and whatnot, carving here. You wouldn't need all that uh, in order to advise an individual on how to find where you're wanting encrypted. to go. Encrypted. And keep it encrypted. And keep it encrypted. Really? It, okay. It, I, with navigational technique that everybody knew at that time, um, if you're going to have a, a mine the size of Los Padres, uh, or you know any any given, um, especially all over South America, yeah, okay, um, you're going. There's going to be supply chains, wagons leaving the place, getting into the shoreline, loading up ships. There's going to be a harbor. There's going to be established commerce there, support staff kind of thing. These things didn't just happen. Uh, independently, and they had slaves hunking out sacks full of gold, kind of thing. There right. would be organization, sure. and um, so I think with the Los Padres mine, there there must have been it'd be incumbent upon it surviving that there had to be supply chains going out, trails, and it's I, sure. it's nasty, Absolutely. nasty terrain out there. Um, it had to have been fortified. It had to have been protected and guarded. You had to have uh, uh, foodstuffs available for anybody that was living and working there, sanitation mm-hmm. conditions, that kind of thing. Find some source of water. Find some source of of, um, of medicine, you know, for any elements that came through. <clears throat> I think that if I got to, if, if I was on Hernan Cortez's, you know, or Sir Francis Drake's um, uh, squad, you know, and you had a writ of permission saying that you belong there, that you're, you know, you have a passing permission sure. to be there. It'd be, uh, yeah, you're going to go that way, find our wagon trail. <laughs> yeah. And uh, say, tell him Diego said, hey. 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> I did find your way there. It'd be right. just word of mouth. Because it, it would be constant activity. Right. You know? Well, the, 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 and I'm not, I'm, I don't want to, okay, maybe this is my fault. I was, I'm, I guess I'm leading everyone to believe there is a direct connection between Jesuit symbols and Lost Potter's mind. I do not believe there is at all. Yeah. I'm. I was more interested in saying, "Hey, from this Jez, from this Los Padres era, uh-huh. I am very interested in the Jesuit symbols for other things. I don't think there's any Jesuit symbols that have anything to do with Los Padres' mind, whatsoever. In my opinion, whatsoever. Yeah. However, that that I was concentrating and trying to understand what you've explained perfectly to me. Yeah. How the Jesuit order came to be, what yeah. their role was, what they manifested themselves into, and how they inserted themselves into the new world. Yes. Is yeah. the, the summary you gave, yeah. I know you could go deeper, but it was great. Yeah. It was brilliant. But I'm just saying that if you okay, then let me let me just back up. Let me let me try to pin you down like a politician would. Do you believe there was a Jesuit order? I know there was Jesuit Okay. Order. Yeah. Do you believe that at some point Jesuits had some symbols of their own. I do. And this there's a Then tell me what they would be used for. All right. That's all. So uh, with the Los Padres mine lore myth idea is that once it was collapsed in, once it was caved in and obscured, mm-hmm. you would have to know how to get there or if you were at the right spot because this mine was collapsed in, it looks like a natural hillside now. Or, right, and you're well, assuming the Jesuits were the last ones. Right. So okay. Yeah, I would assume that if if they had to collapse the mine because something came up or whatever, and move on, you know, and eradicate any evidence that anything was ever there, right? You, know, you would have to have some sort of indicator toward anyone coming twenty years later. Sure. That if they were going to recommission the mine, you you would have to know that you were in the right location. Right. That basically, once you get, you know, three hundred tons of of rubble cleared away. You're going to find our shafts, and they're completely serviceable still. Right, yeah. You know, and so once you, you can't just go moving 300 tons of, uh, of material with a wish and a prayer, right. you know? Yeah. You'd want certitude that you're at the right spot. So were there to be symbols, were there to be um, any handed down data on how to get somewhere encrypted or not, it, there was, it would, of course that was going to have to be uh, applied and employed in order to uh, promise success. Because, I mean, there's, it, there weren't, I mean, there were some um, uh, strongholds, forts, uh, kind of v- vague, rough municipalities that were under some sort of governor, some sort of um, right. uh, magistrate operating a civilian mass that had a military mass that had a military. Uh, yeah, that well, you uh, can go up to El Camino Real and see. Right. You know, all the way up there, those were yeah. big strongholds yeah. that were the church and and right. the crown. You know, putting, yeah, yeah, but yeah, not yeah. as much, not as much inland on some of like the El Diablo Trail. Sure, not as many, not yeah. as often. But I agree with you, there was. Yeah, so there, I think it's safe to assume. It's uh, I would say it's safe to assume that the location of the Los Padres mine that there would be plenty of indicators that I've never some of them some of them may even just be accidental art like uh, archaeological evidence that that it was there um but um and that can be all the way down to elements within the soil that would show well, that you okay. know higher than typical mercury since you content. brought that up my dad there was an there was 
one of the things that that would it's funny I'm tying this together now after you know 40 years of this that you said that that something could have already been there yeah it doesn't mean that the Jesuits created it but if they said hey when you get to this point you see that big rock formation that looks like a bunch of fingers pointing well guess what it coincidentally points right where you're going yeah they didn't make that yeah but they definitely could have said to yeah, someone when you get to this it's you could be, I saw Goonies right natural land masses work man That's I right. saw Goonies that's right you could have I never thought of that though but they they could have taken stuff that was naturally already there yeah. and just passed it along and said you know when you get to the yeah. the thing that looks like the thing it's it's pointing they also got to kind of th- these people were clever you know it, and they had to survive in a time where literacy was you know was was a blessing not everybody knew how to read right not everybody knew how to compose music play an instrument do whatever um and their their language abilities, you know, I I want to protect my myself and not get <laughs> not not expose anything, you know, not, not open myself up for accusations or anything. Right. But you can have a prim and proper Englishman, you know, speaking his good Queen's British kind of thing, and drop him into Long Beach City, you know, Compton, and see how he gets along communicating with people. You know? Yeah, right, exactly. Not gonna, not gonna work out. Not like you think. There's some common, t- you know, they say Britain and America are two, two nations you know, divided by the common language, you know? It's yeah. like, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, um, so, in that era, you weren't necessarily going to have individuals that were as uh, communicative but they were still intelligent. They still had problem-solving skills. They still had, you know, knack and influence and intuition. Um, so they, it's like I asked you, you know, describe for me what, what Brown looks like to a blind person, okay? Yeah. And so it's like, well, or, or someone that, that became blind. And the, the, blind, the now blind person wants to know what kind of color of brown, what shade of brown. And you say, well, you remember what wood looks like? Yeah, but what kind of wood? You know, it's, you're talking mahogany, right. you're talking ebony, you're talking yellow pine, you're talking. So there's going to be all these nuances of interpretation. So I think in our modern day and age, we have so much, so much luxury that we don't have to work for that populates and colors our life. So at that time back, you know, 300, 400 years ago, I think they might've had a different perception, a different way they looked at the world. I think they might've been able to describe more accurately what color, what shade of brown they're talking about. Yeah. You know, because you ask me what poplar looks like, you know, if I were to cut down a poplar limb, you know, off a tree, describe the interior. Well, I can't really, but, if you ask me what color of brown you want my curtains to be, I'll say the color of poplar. And we'll go, oh, okay, I know that one. Sure. But I don't have, I, can, I can't tell you what poplar looks like. <laughs> New, fresh cut, or maybe it has a green tinge to it. It's kind of pale. I, right. I don't know. But back then they did. They were cutting down poplar trees all the time. And yeah. so it, having that kind, of, that kind of knowledge that is now lost to your common man these days, you know, uh, we don't have that. Back then, they might have had a, a thousand descriptors for what shade of gray granite stone might have been. So you're saying that that would have helped in describing what they're... I absolutely think so. Uh, you know, the speckle pattern of the granite that they find. Yeah. You know, to where they could, you know, that... And that's kind of... That's that's lost information that we'll never be able never, to reinterpret. Yeah, you're never going to know. That, because you weren't there. It was a common... Yeah. Common... And tongue, it was, common terminology, and, common and thing. It's, it's mysterious to us, but that doesn't mean it was mysterious to them. To them, right? That it was common, no nonsense. Well, because you weren't, you. you weren't going to jump claim on the Los Padres mine. You weren't going to raise an army. No, 
and come in and beat these Jesuits and Spaniards and 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 convince the Indians to not the be way your you bitches. described them. Yeah. No, <laughs> there's no way you were going to be able to do this. So if you were in the region, you had a purpose of being there that was sanctioned. You belonged there. Kind yeah, of thing. You might have been passing through and just wanted to trade some pelts to get some jerky. You know, <laughs> kind of thing. And no one's going to be like, oh, can I, you know, chase you out with torches and guns? You know, right. muskets and stuff. You know, that's not going to happen. If, if these things were were they ran like machines these these uh the mines the, whatever there was a populace that was exploiting a resource out of the earth uh, even the whaling industry, industry that kind of thing is or if you kingston jamaica anywhere where you had a big economic hub that was you know was, you weren't you didn't just get there by accident no and you might have been up to no good here and there you're gonna you know snatch a purse off of somebody right you know but in general you didn't have to be mysterious. You didn't need the national treasure Indiana no. Jones method yeah. of protecting something. And it's, I get that. People want to blend uh, mystery into history just to make it more fascinating or or to feel you know, like they're smart about something. Yeah. A lot of times it's a real simple story. And I'll tell you one, because I think we've covered a lot of the Jesuit stuff that I wanted. I know we could talk for more, but um, you know, you've heard me talk about sandstone cave. Yeah. It's halfway point to the lost Padres. Yeah. And, and um, I, I had been doing some homework at the time, coincidentally, and there was in this area, which common knowledge in this area, I guess the Spanish had caches of different things where at times they had they would store rifles and ammunition and right. stuff at different caches along certain routes and this in the mining area where they were protecting they had different stuff like that. This one I had heard like well they had different things over here but no one's ever been able to find where they were mm-hmm. or if they still had anything in them. And then all of a sudden, kind of as I'm trying to study up and I'm trying to learn what these things are about, um, a friend of ours from up in uh, Sonora, who you know, came down and he was saying, you know, where sandstone is. And I said, yeah, he goes, the reason it was so easy to dig that sandstone out of there, what we built, was because it looked like someone had already done it. Sure. And I said, okay, like that. And then he he says, you know that upper loft? And I go, yeah, that thing scared the shit out of me. I thought there was a wild animal up there. Yeah. There was an upper loft. He goes, do you know that wasn't closed? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, it was hard, really hard sandstone. And this one area was pretty soft. We kept digging. And then we put a sleeping bag up there like a bunk bed. He goes, but he goes, your dad kept digging back further because it was just soft. And it went through into an opening. No kidding. He goes, it pushed through into a room. And I said, well, what was in? He goes, we didn't have a flashlight. And your dad was drunk off his ass or he was high on weed. He goes, he took, like he made a makeshift torch. And he was trying to hold it in this. It was a room. It was a big opening opening Mm -hmm. and he couldn't see what was in there and he dropped the torch bummer and he goes and it whatever was in there caught on fire and we had to get out of the cave i remember this now yeah and it smoldered for a week whatever was in there burned for a week and i said i wonder if it was a cache of like uh rifles and stuff that just melted dude but it could have been centuries of bat guano could have been. You just don't know. I don't have any idea. Yeah. I just thought it was fascinating that they found this secret room that was just an opening. I would be entirely on board with there being caches of supplies that were lost and forgotten about. And it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. I'd like to go now because where I can, I know where this room is. Yeah. And nothing above it has collapsed. It wasn't very far above it, maybe 10 or 15, 20 feet of dirt. Yeah. 
so I know that nothing collapsed and fell in, so that room is still there. Yeah. I'd like to go back sometime and just dig it out and take a flashlight and see, yeah, here's what burned, you yeah. know, just for whatever yeah. sake. If you could find it. I mean, if it was in there, it's protected by sunlight. If it's metal, it might have rusted and corroded. You know, but wouldn't it have melted if, it, if that fire burned for a week? Isn't that melted all gone now? Whatever was in there is toast. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like there was active flame for a week. It no. was a lot of smolder embers, you know. Just but I wonder if smoke you, out. But even if you, <laughs> even if you found molten metal, couldn't you take it out and have somebody go? Yeah, this is from Spain in the fifteen uh, hundreds. It would have strong indicators of steel content yeah. and whatever alloys. I, well, I mixed know in. where I know. Well, okay, and I know where that place is. I mean, that's like yeah. that. It's not even a difficult like walk in and point and go. It's right there. Just dig. Yeah. But I wonder if that if if you could find that and you could find something in there, and now you're right on the path to the Los Padres. Yeah, I just it would tie it all together. It would tie it. It, all it would. Together. It really that rug would really tie that room together. I get I get, you know, fascinated by the by that area. It's amazing that it doesn't burn down every year. That um, that with all the cars that are currently driving through it, with the off the gridders that live out there, the people that do actually tie into utilities. Yeah. Also, it's like you think that, and the, the homeless that are living in vans out there and encampments that are you know, out there in those Gabriel Hills, you know, you think that there would be accidental fires, intentional fires. Do you, want, do you remember about four years Which ago that big fire windows. that came through? Yeah. And I kept thinking, is it going to hit the mine? Is right. it going to hit the mine? And it didn't. Yeah. It got close. But you know what the, what I don't know who, I guess the National Forestry Service, mm-hmm. they came in with these big caterpillars. Yeah. And they fucking cut paths through all the hills. Yeah. They didn't check with environmentalists. They didn't do any of that shit. They came in there and just cut roads. They repaired the old ridge route. Oh, for real? Repaired all of it. It's all, it's drivable now. They repaired the whole thing. No kidding. They fixed every bit of it because I've been on it now. I've been the whole length. It's not. Did they actually pave it? Paved it. Yeah. And curbed. They put curbing on the part that washed out. No way. They repaired it. They asphalted it. And they put a, they, well, they didn't pave every inch of it, but the parts that were washed out are now perfectly paved and curved. Wow. So I go out there with our friend from Sonora. Yeah. And we get up to this one lookout point, And now you can kind of, this is as close as you can get. Yeah. You got miles to go. And I said, check this out. And he's looking, going, oh my God, this one fire trail that yeah. they cut, maybe 50 feet across with this big, like a D9 cat. You can drive on it. Because it's just, it just happened. Yeah. The guy, the fucking diesel thing ran over it 400 times. Guess where it ends? Guess where it goes? All these spines of all these hills. Guess down to the bottom stops and the, the cat turned around and drove back. Yeah. But there was a fire break. They they cut. Yeah. It ends. At Sandstone Cave. <laughs> Almost. It oh. ends at, at Lava Flow. Oh, no kidding. And you could just walk right down to Sandstone. I wow. mean, you're, you're about you're about half a mile from the Indian Barrier. That's where I there. wanted to go. Was is If I could have made it to Lava Flow, I'd have been pleased. Yeah. But, as we all know, I didn't. You got didn't, fucking lost. I, I got fucking lost because the vegetation was just so dense. It was really bad. I had no frame of reference. That I know, and you can't see anything above. You can't yeah. even look at the hillsides when you're in it. Yep. And that particular place you got stuck, that is like the most common place to get stuck. When I draw a map. And dude, I, I mean. It's tough. I, I was in the first 6% of the entire endeavor. It was like, yeah. I wasn't far in at all. No. It was, it was very, it's very difficult. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. um, it was, it was grueling. We should, we should talk more sometime when you come up, we should just yeah, sit and drink great. and we should go into the whole lost pottery thing because, yeah. uh, everybody, all the scholars who are smarter than me, mm-hmm. they have all this stuff on, on what area the lost pottery is in. They all think I'm full of shit. Yeah. And then I bring up one fact. I just, I pull one historical fact and I, yeah. I go, can we all agree on this fact that this event happened? Everybody, everybody says, yes, it did. Yeah. And when I, when I put it down, 
on a map. And I say, okay, so we're all agreeing this historical event happened mm -hmm. and it was here. We all agree it was here? Yeah. And the guy did this. We all agree. And then he did this. And when I bring to the conclusion, every single one of them goes, you might be right. Yeah. Of one historical fact knocks the legs out from 35 scholars on the Los Padres mind. It isn't doesn't prove what I'm saying. Yeah. But I'm like, you can't, you can, all of your theories cannot stand if this one thing is true. So we're gonna have to omit this the the military records of the fort, yeah. of the of the colonel that was running it, yep. of all these witnesses. We have to get rid of this one thing. Yep. And then then your theory couldn't hold water. Mm -hmm. We should discuss that at length one time. Yeah, that'd be great. Because it's just an amazing... But we got to start with the story of when you first heard about the, <laughs> the mine with me at the shop that day. And I you said... You want to tell that now? Or you want to talk... On oh, a, you can uh, tell, the, you can tell what your version was because it was funny when you're like, what the fuck are they coming to interview what you for? They coming to this, <laughs> this dumb de you know, mechanic in the desert. <laughs> and you had, you had what, like six hours to brush up on it? Yeah, to sit there and digest it all. And that was there, funny. And there were lots of names that I wasn't you know, familiar with, you know. You were um, almost pissed that I had waited this long to tell you, and yeah, I thought, like, what the fuck? it never I, came up. <laughs> on the scrap, yeah, it never came up. You know, they'd be like telling me how you didn't have a, you know, uh, your left leg, you know. It never came up. Well, it's pretty, damn, you know, pretty uh, uh, crucial to yeah, who you are, you know. Person. But um, You didn't tell me you were the heir to the Hershey's chocolate yeah, factory. Right? You didn't yeah. just left that part out. Yeah. Um, oh. But no, I think we'll save that for next time. That'd All right, be, we that, will. That would be that, a cool way to start the story off. It would but, be. Um, it was that was a pretty funny way too, especially since yeah. I was drinking my ass off. Yeah. But that Colonel uh, Bishop, right? Bishop, Sam Bishop. Yep. Yeah. Tacoya. Remember, Tacoya is going to be fun to talk about. That's an incredible. And it, I did some, I did some mapping on him. Yeah. On how far they could travel, traveling yeah. by horse, just walking. Yeah. I drew it out on a map and it with a circle and said, "This is as far as you could go yeah. in two and a half days." Yeah. And then when they stopped, and in two and a half days, any direction you go from where they started. Mm -hmm. How close are they to where you say, and they go, well, we're still days away. Right. Well, they wouldn't have stopped then. He only stopped when they got really close and said, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Because they got close. Yeah. That was the, that's the legit story. You can't, you can't go on horseback with this, with this tribe mm -hmm. of people and two and a half days as far as you could possibly go. Yeah. You're still, you're still three days away from where you say it is. Yeah. But from where I say it is, you're about five miles. Yeah. So that story just on its merits, mm -hmm. lends it to be closer to what I'm saying than what the scholars are saying. Yep. I'm just I'm just pointing out some some stuff. And and, and, it, and to tie in a bit of my, uh, I like history when it has branches that connect to um, other pieces of 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 the moments of history that yeah. could stand alone in their own importance. Agreed. So to tie in to Koya. Uh, when he died, George Homer Bodfish uh, attended the funeral from Bodfish, California. And went, we're talking to Iceman from Bodfish, yeah, everybody. That's right. <laughs> went on all the way down to the uh, El Tajon area to attend his funeral. And it was like... Um, like a, a, a goodwill ambassadorship kind of thing that, that George Homer Bodfish, they were friends. He knew Tacoya. Um, and then turns out you live in Bodfish. Turns in out Bodfish. my dad lived a thousand feet away, a thousand <laughs> feet from where you ended yeah. up. Yeah. This, yeah. This, yeah. This, yeah. Telling you, man, 
It's, it's a rug that really ties the room together. It's a tapestry. It's a rug that, you know, it, it really is. Listen, we got to go. We got to get out of here. Uh, Ice, thanks for, we didn't even get, everyone always asks me what how you got the name Iceman. And then I remember one time you got pissed. You go, don't fucking tell them. <laughs> I said, why not? You goes, it's way cooler just they don't know. So I ne- for this what, is 10 years ago. I've never told cool. anybody. That's yeah, way cooler that they don't know. It's way cooler they don't know. But it, it's, I don't know if we'll ever tell the story, but so all you guys need to know is his name's Iceman. And it's a fucking funny story and how he got the name, but it's cooler that nobody knows. Just yeah. so you know. Yeah. Hey, Ice, thanks for joining us here. Really appreciate you Absolutely. taking time. My with pleasure. Us. It was fun. We'll do it again and we'll we'll keep we'll drink more. I'll drink with you and we'll just <laughs> get loose with it. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> All right, you guys, listen, I gotta go wherever you're tuning in from. Thanks for taking time with us. If you had a couple hours to waste, I'm glad you chose to waste it with Gen X Talks. I can write you a note. You can get out of school for it if you need to. Anyway, I don't know where you're listening from around the planet, AM, FM, Sirius, XM, or perhaps along the Armed Service Radio Network. Remember two things, wherever you go, there you are. And I'll catch you guys on the flip side.